Yeah. So it, it took me a breakdown (laughs) to get where, to be able to build myself back up. So I think that I hit a low point of trying to put so much on my plate and accomplish so many things that was unattainable. It wasn't realistic, the expectations that I had set for myself. So when I found myself depleted and worn out and staying up so late trying to study and working so hard to uphold a certain image of what my body should look like, it all became too much. And I said, you know what? The only way to figure out what's actually going to nourish me, what's going to be the way that I want to live my life is to wipe the slate clean. So I Thank you all so much for tuning into the Start From Within podcast. I'm so excited for today's episode. I am virtually sitting with a great friend, Lauren Jedlica, who we also met at Ohio State, but we met during our yoga teacher training. Uh, She trained in the class before me and then inspired me to kind of want to get my certification. So Lauren is absolutely incredible. She has started her own business called Rising Rooted, which cannot wait to dive in more about that. But she has such an incredible outlook on life and your body and movement. And so I'm super excited to connect with her today. So Lauren, thank you so much for being here and connecting with me. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for asking me in the midst of quarantine. This is something so fun and such a fun way to connect with you and just support your mission of starting from within. So I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, how has, we have to address the elephant in the room. Um, What's one or two fun things that you've done during quarantine or something you've learned during this quarantine season? Um, during quarantine, what has it been like? So me and my fiance have been quarantined for about three weeks now. Um, we've been watching Ozark. If you've heard of that show on Netflix, it's so great. We got suckered into it just one episode and haven't been able to stop. So we've been binge watching Ozark in the evenings. Um, but during the day I've tried to keep a sense of normalcy to my schedule. I'll wake up in the morning. I'll have some coffee. Maybe I'll work out. Then I'll hop on my computer and business as usual. So I'll be writing something or having client calls and um, just trying to keep it as normal as possible, even despite the circumstances. Yeah, that's important. You know, keeping that, keeping that routine, keeping the steadiness despite the chaos. I love that. Um, So Rising Rooted, it is an incredible business that you have started. Um, I'd love for you to tell us all What is Rising Rooted and why and how did you start this? Yeah, so Rising Rooted is the philosophy that each day we wake up, we can do things which support our well-being so that we can rise feeling confident, calm, and happy. So when we can plant the roots of our day and that's lifestyle behaviors and maybe the way that we move our body, the foods that we eat, um, how we manage our stress, but also things like career and spirituality and our relationships, like what grounds us, what, what values do we root ourselves in so that we can rise as the best version of ourselves. And really this 
this idea of Rising Rooted started um, right around my the time of my teacher training, which would have been in 2017. It was also a time that was incredibly difficult for me in college. I feel like I've always been a high achiever and um, put a lot of pressure on myself to perform or to serve or to show up in a certain way for myself and others. Always an A-plus student and never forgot your birthday, color-coded calendars and notebooks, but really it, it was a lot of stress that I didn't even realize was bad stress I was placing on myself to hold up this idea of who I thought I should be. So Rising Rooted, after I completely uprooted the beliefs that I had for myself or what I thought my life should look like, um, I was able to plant you know, these thoughts and ideas of what I, what truly served me. So the roots of your life being looking at, um, what really filled me up and made me happy rather than what other people were doing or what I thought I should be doing in terms of my job. I was getting ready to graduate college and I, I had this idea that I needed to move to a big city and get this big job, be a career woman. And when it came down to it, I ended up back in Cleveland, pretty much in my parents' backyard, um, working for a company I never thought I'd be working for. And it all turned out the way that it should. So when you finally uproot the idea of what you think your life should be, you're able to plant what's actually going to work and watch it grow. Mm, yes. Watching that grow. Yes, for sure. So you touch on something there. Um, when you said, you know, this idea, this perfection, mm -hmm. and I think, I mean, I feel this for sure. It's part of the reason why I'm starting this and part of the reason why my journey has been what it is. So for, especially those younger that have this perfect image, that this is what their life is supposed to look like. How did you kind of stray away from that? And how, how did that impact you? Yeah. So it, it took me a breakdown <laughs> to get where, to be able to build myself back up. So I think that I hit a low point of trying to put so much on my plate and accomplish so many things that was unattainable. It wasn't realistic, the expectations that I had set for myself. So when I found myself depleted and worn out and staying up so late trying to study and working so hard to uphold a certain image of what my body should look like, it all became too much. And I said, you know what, the only way to figure out what's actually going to nourish me, what's going to be the way that I want to live my life is to wipe the slate clean. So I started to take out things. I stopped working and I'm not saying that everybody needs to do it this way, but I, um, put limits around the time that I was studying. I put limits around, um, the, how much time I was spent working out. I put limits around how much time I was not sleeping and really started to see like, if I have free time and I think that quarantine is an awesome experiment for people, you're given more free time than anything. You're set outside of your schedule and your routine. What do I want to fill that time with? What feels right to me? I have a lot of my clients go through what I call a day audit. So a lot of people budget their finances and they take a look at how they're spending their money. And for me, that was my first experience of doing a energy audit or a day audit of how am I spending my energy from the time I wake up to the time my head hits the pillow? And how do I want to be spending my energy? Is it really 
filling me up to be spinning my wheels studying or going out to see friends that, you know, maybe weren't treating me the best or Mm. spending my time on workouts that didn't really feel good in my body, but that I thought I should be doing. So when I was finally able to break down a little bit and then I was able to rebuild myself. So what I would recommend, or I would love to get across to girls who might be feeling perfectionist tendencies or, um, peer pressure from people around them, that, that stress of expectations is that it stems from either a desire to control a situation, but really what are people trying to control is other people's judgments of them. So Mm -hmm. when you're finally able to release that judgment and give yourself some self-love, the self-love that we all deserve and that is all ours for the taking. Um, It's life-giving. So judgment is paralyzing and love, which is the anecdote to judgment is life-giving. So that's challenge other people to explore is the possibility of loving yourself a bit more. Yeah. I I really want to dive into two things you brought up. So that daily audit that you brought Mm -hmm. up, what, what does that include if someone, or what does that all entail? If someone wants to try that, um, I've done one before and it's super, super cool to see kind of where you're actually spending your time. So could you kind of walk through maybe how you would walk a client through a day audit? Yeah. So I have them fill out a form and it starts with AM and they can type in whatever time they start their day. So for some people it's 6am for other people, it's 9am and they go through and say, okay, when I wake up, what's the first thing I do for me, I learned this thing from one of my great yoga teachers who I know that you've taken class from Jen Uhas, who's now in Texas, but I took a meditation clinic from her way back in, it had to be like 2016 and it's, RPM, rise, pee, meditate. So in the morning, I RPM upon on upon rising. And then I will make myself some coffee and maybe I'll journal. But for other people, and realistically, Monday through Friday during a work week, it might look like RP 32nd M and then um, get ready for work and go into work and start your day. But then outside of your day, how are you spending your commute time? So from five to five 30, when you're driving home from work, are you on the phone with somebody to connect with them? Are you listening to music or a podcast or are you numbing out and doing something else and really getting clear on where are the free pockets of time in my day and how can I be spending my energy more wisely? So rather than scrolling on your phone before you go to bed for an hour, maybe it's choosing to read a book or maybe it's choosing to call somebody you love. Maybe it's some yin yoga before you go to bed because you find that you're stressed and anxious and that that helps. Yes. I, yes. And I think what's so important there too, is looking at what brings and what takes away our energy. Mm -hmm. So recognizing, okay, I just spent 30 minutes scrolling on my phone and I feel like crap, like my energy feels depleted and I could spend those exact 30 minutes talking to someone I love and I feel overjoyed. And maybe, maybe some nights you do just need that distraction and scrolling your phone. Totally cool too. But like you said, looking at that day and looking what is bringing you energy and what is taking it away. So 
I love that concept. I challenge anybody listening to spend maybe just some time looking at your day. Um, And so the other point that you brought up was, you know, challenging people to get to that place of self-love. And I think sometimes that can be terrifying, right? Because people are like, well, what, what does that even mean? I mean, for me, I had to even get to accepting myself before I could even get to loving for you. Are there any tips or things that you developed that helped you kind of evolve to this place of self-love when it's, I mean, self-love is a day by day process, but how, how have you gotten to that? So rising rooted, while you have the idea of grounding yourself in behaviors that help you feel your best, it's a process. It's not like you can just strip away your life in one day and build it from the ground up. So I like to think of it like a flower. You start with the seed, you plant the seed, and then you water the seed and you watch the branches grow and only then will it bear fruit. It's not it's not a one-day process. It mm. takes cultivating and nurturing and really good attention. So there's actually four phases of rising rooted. The first one being surrender. So giving up anything that's not serving you, uprooting those limiting beliefs, those those habits that are not nourishing or depleting your energy. And only then after you give up and surrender, can you plant the seed for new growth. And that would be the next phase, which is surrender. Explore is the second. So planting that seed and exploring the possibility. You can spread your seed as many, as many as you want, as many different things that you think might fill you up and then see which one starts to sprout and that you actually want to take to, because you can't do everything, but you can do anything. And I love that quote because it's so true. You only have so much energy in your day. So you can't spend that energy on 20 different seeds, but maybe there's three, maybe there's three things or people or, um, activities that really light you up and that you want to cultivate and grow. So surrender, explore, ritualize. So doing just what I said, picking those things that fill you up the most and doing them repeatedly. So finding what they are and committing to it. And it shouldn't be hard to commit because there are things that you love doing. And only then after you surrender, explore and ritualize, can you expand. And when you expand, you're touching others with that gift or that, that passion. So for me, that was yoga. First, I had to surrender the idea that I'm not meant to be a marathon runner like you, Allison. (laughs) And that was okay. And then I had to explore the idea of what exercise felt good in my body. And yoga was the answer to that. Mm. Ritualizing, having a regular practice, I became very dedicated to a home practice. And rather than going to yoga classes, I was, because I was a broke college student, I was practicing on the floor of my apartment. And then expanding for me, self-actualizing looked like going through teacher training and sharing my gift with others. Mm, I love that. Love those four steps. That is, that is awesome. Um, so you touch on yoga. I would love to dive in. So what, what got you to go to yoga? Have you practiced in high school? Tell me more. What, what started your yoga journey? I started practicing yoga when I was 16. I only remember that it was when I was 16 because when I got my driver's license in June of, oh God, that would have been 2012, I think. 
I drove myself to a yoga class. And I did that because I was looking for a great workout. I was taking power classes. I was go, go, go just along with that, you know, perfectionist mentality. That was another way. And it wasn't until I went through my teacher training, which was also a power training that I realized, hmm, maybe I need to slow down. Maybe I need to explore other forms of yoga. I started experimenting with yin yoga and taking classes that were really soft and fluid and gentle. Going to some slow flows was really beneficial. And I found that yoga was so much more than just an exercise for your body. It was really a way to practice self-regulating. So when you're in a yoga class, and I know that you can attest to this being another yoga teacher, but when you find yourself in a really hard pose, when you find yourself in a chair pose and your legs are shaking, they're on fire, noticing what comes up in your thoughts is huge. Are you saying, I'm not good enough? I'm not strong enough. I should practice more. Uh, Why am I here? Or are you staying and using your breath to self-regulate, to calm your body down, to say, yes, I'm doing something difficult. This is challenging, but I can choose to stay and grow. And it's the same thing when you step off your mat. That was a huge revelation to me of going to a slow flow class, which some people might quote unquote think is easy. And that being the hardest thing I did all day for my mind, because it was forcing me to slow down, to breathe, to feel my feet right where I was and not try to be living in the past, thinking about what I didn't do or living in the future, thinking about what I wasn't going to get done. It was just being there and breathing. And I wanted to share that with other people. So yes, I'll occasionally teach a power class, but on my regular schedule, I love teaching beginners and I love doing all levels and slow flow because it's a great anecdote for the fast paced world that we live in. Again, with the quarantine, it's the perfect way to re to refocus and reset and challenge what we thought was the only way to live our lives or the best way to live our lives and settle into simplicity and notice how beautiful it is. Mm, settle into simplicity. Yes. Because how much of our lives do we spend numbing, right? So mm. numbing, whether that's we're just going, 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 numbing, using other methods and oh, the power in being able to stay when you want to just flee and feel like that is power. And whether that's staying and feeling physically or what's even harder is staying and feeling mentally and those emotions rising and all of that, like that, that is power. Mm, I love that. So you teaching yoga, um, are there any cool stories or lessons, like maybe your favorite class that you taught or anything that was really just like, Oh, this, this is why I teach. This is why I practice. This is why yoga. Yeah. I, have recently started toying around with the idea of doing workshops and bringing people in in a different way of, yeah, we'll do some yoga, but we're also going to dip into your heart a little bit and have a conversation and dialogue around the deeper things or things that might even pop up in a yoga class. 
I will say this a lot. When you're in pigeon pose, sometimes you might start crying and people are like, where the heck is this coming from? But our hips are one of the tightest parts of our bodies and they hold so much emotional energy too. So when you're in a workshop setting, you can, you can break that down and say, okay, here's what's happening or what's coming up for you and have a conversation. Because most of the time in a yoga class, you're talking to your students and they're not talking back to you. Unless you're teaching kids yoga, which I've done before, not my favorite because they do talk to you about their stinky feet. <laughs> but yeah, the workshop setting has been cool. And I, I did a journaling and self-love workshop a few months back and I was terrified to do that. I thought nobody's going to show up. Nobody's going to care what I have to say. And that was because a year before, almost a year before I tried to lead the same workshop and nobody showed up. And my mom was there, which was great. And the owner of the location where I was hosting at was there. And I stumbled over my words. I had a red face the whole time. And I was, I was preaching. I wasn't, I wasn't facilitating. I wasn't guiding. I was so in my head with having something prepared and needing it to go exactly as planned that it didn't flow. And that's what I learned and how I grew and was able to have 25 people in my next workshop a year later, although I was terrified to do it. And I had the same story in my head of history was going to repeat itself. I had also learned so much about letting go and let, and which everybody says, let it go. Like it's like some, you know, ism, but it is true when you can let go of the outcome and just show up and be present and deliver and that's with anything. It's with a conversation that you're going to have with somebody you love or going for a job interview. If you let go of the outcome and just show up and, and deliver the best that you can, no matter what happens, it'll still be good. So that's what I've learned lately. And um, it's, it's been really rewarding and freeing to come to that realization. Definitely that, that letting go of expectations. And like you said, it touches in so many areas of our lives. You often think, you know, you're going into a conversation and how many times are we solely focused on what we're going to say next or what we want the goal of that conversation to be that we leave that conversation being like, wait, what did that other person even say? Mm -hmm. And so when we go in with the expectation of, okay, here's a guideline. However, I'm going to dive in and feel into whatever shows up, man, there's so much more beauty and connection in those conversations and that way of life. than I, here's my agenda. If I don't get through my to-do list, it was a fail. So Love that share. Thanks so much for sharing. Um, so I know you touched on slowing down and breathing and slowing down. And I know recently in your life, like you've really had to slow down. How, how has that been? And how have you kind of come to terms with that? Because I think there's so much pressure in life to go, 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 go. And, you know, we're getting ads and Instagram and social media and people just being like, you're not doing enough if you're not checking off all of these things during your day. So how have you kind of come to that point of, okay, I'm slowing down and this is what I need to do. And that that's okay. Yeah. I, I think that the comparison trap is real. And especially with social media, people see what other people are doing or, um, even what they're not doing and think that they need to follow suit. 
I have unfollowed so many accounts on social media that just rub me the wrong way for one reason or another. And it's not that I'm being overly critical of them, but there are boundaries that I've learned to set for myself, emotional boundaries, physical boundaries of to, to preserve pieces of myself that I value. So mm. one of those being my sense of calm. And if I see something, read something that is not making me feel calm, I decide to turn it off. And that's not to say that I'm shutting my ears or not seeing other perspectives. That's that's not true. I love to be challenged in that way. But with things that are um, relatively unimportant, like I will never watch a horror film because I don't like the way it makes me feel. I don't like the thoughts that I have during or following the movie. Same thing with certain accounts on Instagram. I, I, I just don't see the benefit in following them. And so I, I will choose to unfollow. And basically the way that I've I've learned to guide myself and filter out different things, not to say I'm I'm I don't know, like I said, not judging, but filtering to self-preserve a little bit is if I am moving towards something and it leaves me with a pit in my stomach or it leaves me with a headache or it makes me feel bad about myself or critical of others even, then I peel back and I don't go down that road or down that Instagram account or down that movie, whatever, down that conversation with a friend. I just won't, I won't go there. But if it feels good, if it feels grounding, if it feels supportive, then yes, yes, I will. Same thing with a workout. You're at home right now. People have a lot of um, other commitments going on and working out in your home is not the most fun thing to do. So if I wake up in the morning, I feel tired. I don't feel like I have a lot of energy. Maybe I didn't sleep well. Uh, and I go to reach for the coffee, but coffee seems like, ooh, it'll make me feel anxious. I'll put the coffee down. And maybe I don't need coffee that day. And maybe I don't need to, to do a powerful yoga class that day. Maybe it looks like resting, stretching, something different. And knowing that day to day, your schedule can look different. And mm -hmm. that's part of slowing down is learning that that compassion and that discernment. Mm. Yeah, discernment. And like you said, day to day, day to day, our days look different. Our bodies look different. I mean, I think about some mornings I go for a run and I'm like, my legs are heavy. Other days it's like, I feel like I'm on top of the world and my body did not change in the vast of 24 hours. But just that recognizing that we need to meet ourselves where we're at that day and getting quiet enough and still enough and slowing down enough that we can actually listen. Mm -hmm. Tap into that, that inner voice, that guide, which tells us, Hey, this feels right today. Or mm, maybe you need to think a little bit deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have any favorite practices that you do like journaling? Is there anything that helps you to kind of slow down and reset? Yeah, I love to journal. I try to journal at least a few times a week. I like it to be fluid and intuitive rather than sitting down with specific timelines or parameters. But I feel like there's something about seeing your thoughts on paper 
that gives you a bit of clarity or gives me a bit of clarity of what's true. Is it really true? And how can I sort through this? In our head, things tend to swirl around. And when they're on paper, it's it's a little bit more concrete and easy to digest. So a big fan of journaling. I love walking. I think that so many more people I've seen have been walking outside now that might have never been walkers before. But because they have more time and want to get outside of their house than they do. But there's something so refreshing and calming about being in nature, about breathing in fresh air and being surrounded by things that are so still and grounded and unmoving and unshakable and alive. So trees being that perfect example. So rising rooted, you can think about a tree. It's strong, it's rooted, yet it's still rising and reaching so calm and gentle. So I love to take a lot of inspiration from nature and trees, of course, as you can tell. So yes, always good. Tree foes, love it all, all of this. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about relationships with bodies and you know, we, we talked a little bit about how you come to this place of self-love, self-acceptance, but how has your relationship with your body evolved over time? And how have you kind of come to this place of self-acceptance with your body? Yeah. So growing up, I was pretty blissfully blind to the fact that people even were aware of their bodies or struggled with their bodies. I grew up in an Italian family and our lives were surrounded by food and um, celebration, but also connection with other people. So food for me has always been like a connection with other people. And that's all I ever saw it as. And same thing with my body. I was a dancer growing up. I moved my body in fluid ways and intuitively, and it was all about expression and freedom. I never had any of those, um, thoughts, judgmental thoughts regarding either of those aspects of my life until I started to get to college. Well, I would say high school, really. Um, I was made aware of my body because other people made me aware of my body. Um, I, I feel like middle school boys are just monkeys, like they're little animals. And <laughs> The comments that people would make about my body were ridiculous. And I think that's the first time I started to see like, oh, hey, like maybe, maybe my butt's a little bit bigger than some other girls, or maybe I have this going on or that going on only because it was brought to my attention that maybe I was different. And being the person that I was, I wanted to blend in. I didn't want to rock the boat. I didn't want to be different. So I then started to try to do things to fit in. I was surrounded by friends of mine who are just naturally thin and skinny and that's their body shape. It's their natural body shape. And I was somebody, like I said, Italian girl, I had a booty, I had curves, but in high school, by the time I got to high school, I quite literally ran my ass off. So I dropped 30 pounds and I thought that I was doing the healthy thing for myself because I'm like, okay, yeah, like I'm, I'm making healthy choices and this is good. And, but I also was like, okay, I'm just trying to blend in. Like maybe I was, maybe I was wrong or maybe I was bad or maybe I wasn't treating myself well. And that's why I looked the way that I did. And it wasn't until I much later in college when I realized oh my gosh, like we are all so different. We're all so unique. We're not cookie cutter. And that's what makes us special. So who are we to decide 
and micromanage what our body should look like or um, any of that, like what other people's bodies should look like. We're all different and not cut from the same cloth. I am so fascinated by culture and ethnicity. And when you look around the world at traditional Italians, what do they look like? A lot of them look like me. They're not very tall. They have shorter legs. They got some booty and curves and that's the way that it is. And then if you go to some Eastern European cultures, they have bodies that look a lot like my friends who are Eastern European. If you go to South America, you see the same thing. And that is huge because those are the roots. Those, those places that we are from, like that's, that's, the way that they live their lives is such a guideline and a book almost for how we can best live our lives because America is one big melting pot. Um, I'm not sure. Are you familiar with the blue zones? I'm not. Tell us more. So the blue zones are the five areas of the world where they have found people live the longest and what behaviors and lifestyles they lead um, that contribute to longevity. So in America, you know, you go around and you find so much about health and well-being and you can do a Google search and find completely opposite statements. But how do you decide which is the best for you? You can take a look at your ancestry and ancestry and your culture and also like what feels right to you because mm-hmm. what works for me is not going to work for you. And what works for you is not going to work for the girl down the street. And so there's those guidelines to which we live our life, but also the way that our bodies look. Yes. It's all connected. Yes. It's all connected and honoring that th- this is your body. And like you said, we're, we're not a cookie cutter. It's not like we just got rolled out and everyone's like, stamp, stamp, stamp. All right. Everybody needs to look the same. Like that's, what's so beautiful about bodies is they're just so unique and masterfully created. And so, yeah, you touch on such important things to really recognize and understand. And I love how you pointed out that you really weren't aware of your body until others made you aware of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I fear that, um, and this might just be some of my own projections, but because of the rise of social media and Instagram and all of that, starting at such a younger age that maybe we're becoming more aware of those things at an earlier age, which are leading to stuff like this, but having these conversations that your body is your body and, um, treating it the way you want to treat it. And I love the point you brought up too about, you know, you could Google whatever. So I, do you know, Glennon Doyle Melton who wrote love warrior? Um, and she also, yeah. yeah. So she just released her new book untamed and I am in deep, but she was talking about a, um, instance with her husband who he ended up cheating on her and she Googled what to do when your husband cheats on you, but you want to, but he's a good father. And she recognized she got all of these different answers. And for the first time in her life, she realized I have all these options and whatever I choose, I'm not going to please anybody. So the only thing I can do is get quiet, be still and please myself. And so when you brought up, you know, you Google and you have all these options and 
that that's the whole point of this, right? Like we know what we need. We know what our bodies need. And it's, it's starting within ourselves, not, not looking outside for all the answers and using your heritage, using your roots, using what's innate inside of you. Yeah. Yeah. Using what you already know, but have, have lost. I, I love this idea and it's something that I journal around a lot and that I encourage my clients to journal around. I, it might even be in one of my journaling books on my website, but it's who was you, who were you before the world told you who you should be? Yes. And digging through the layers, uncovering the crap to get to that point and continuing to ask yourself as many times as you need to. Who was I? Who was I before X, Y, and Z happened, before I grew up? And it it also works for people that don't even struggle with body image, but have lost that childlike way about them. Adults rarely, if ever, play. And people say, oh, when I was a kid, or I wish I could. The reality is you can. I Mm -hmm. have a client who is in her 70s, and she plays and has more freaking fun than I do as a 24-year-old. And she is just proof that age is a number and that mindset is everything. So who were you before the world told you who you should be? Is what yes. I can who were you before the world told you who you should yeah. be? Yes, 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 yes. Um, so your younger self or a future daughter, you can take this in either lens, but if you could tell that whichever you choose anything, what, what would you share? What words of wisdom? I, that's big, but I think it comes back to what I was talking about before that judgment is paralyzing. It paralyzes your relationships with others when you judge because it drives a wedge between you and that person but it also paralyzes the relationship with yourself and your ability to grow closer to your intuition and what you truly need. When you're constantly judging yourself, you're not able to see things clearly. You're not able to sift through and discern, like we talked about, what's best for us and what we truly need because we're so focused on this idea of what we should be doing or how we should be. So that would be what I would tell my younger self and my future daughter mm-hmm. is to love yourself in the way that you need to, to remove judgment and to let yourself be, be who mm-hmm. you are. Yes. Let yourself be. All right. I got some few rapid fire questions for you. So Let's get them. hit them away. All right. Favorite food. Favorite food. Oh God. Chocolate. All right. Favorite form of movement. Favorite form of movement. Mm, Yoga seems like the obvious answer. I love Pilates too. Okay. All right. Pilates. We'll take it. What is your favorite book or like a book you're currently reading? Book I'm currently reading. Mm. I love Women's Body, Women's Wisdom by Christiane Northrup. It's amazing. Woman's body, woman's wisdom. I got to check that out. Okay. Favorite yoga pose since you are a yoga teacher. Favorite yoga pose. Oh, I love me a good wheel. Mm, yes. That heart opener, man. Yes. So good. Uh, favorite quote. Favorite quote. Oh gosh. That one is so hard. 
I, I don't know if this is a quote or just a mantra or if anyone has said this and it's, I'm sorry if I'm not giving them credit where it's due, but you do enough, you have enough, you are enough mm, and repeating yes. that. Yeah. Yes. Enough that that's tattooed on my body, man. I love it. Love uh, it. Three words to describe yourself. Three words to describe myself. Mm. Mm. Oh, that's really hard. It's really hard because like, are we talking ways other people would describe me or what I'm thinking about myself? What you think, your core, three words to describe your core, your soul. To describe my soul. Mm. Expressive. Passionate. Thoughtful. Mm, yes. Uh, what does this world need more of? What does this world need more of? Rest, mm. which I think everybody's getting. Everybody's getting. It's such a beautiful thing. It's like a beautiful unraveling. Yes. Rest. And what do you want most out of life? I think that there's something to be said about quiet simplicity that comes with loving others well. So while travel is something that I love to do, while experimenting new restaurants and recipes is something I so deeply love to do, it's the most simple thing to just be with the people you love and love them well. Mm. Listen to them when they're talking, surprising them with something so small and just showing up and being, being that person for them when they need you most or when they don't need you most and you can just be there to hold space. Yes. Holding space. Yes. All right. My last and final question. I ask everybody, what does it mean to you to start from within? Starting from within looks like listening to your needs and honoring your body, your mind, and your soul. Honoring what truly works for you. Because like I talked about, the last phase of Rising Rooted is to expand. And only after you can surrender the idea of who you think you should be, explore the idea of who you really are, and ritualize those behaviors that light you up. Can you expand and touch others in a significant way? Mm. Yes. Circling it all back. It's starting all connected. From, starting from within, you have to start from within and do the hard work, do the digging, do the cultivating, and then you end with connecting with others. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All starts inside of us, man. Oh, well, if people want to learn more about Rising Rooted and about you, where, where can they go? Where can they find more about you? Sure. Um, risingrooted.com would be the easiest place. If you're interested, I have 15 short yoga practices on YouTube. Those can be found just by searching LJ Rising Rooted in YouTube. Uh, you can also connect with me on Instagram at L Jedlica, J-E-D-L-I-C-K-A. 
Until September. And then I get married and my name changes. Oh, love it. So excited. Yes, I will put all of that information in the description notes. Uh, But Lauren, thank you so much for taking the time to express everything, lay your heart out, and just connect. This is absolutely amazing. And I can't wait for the world to hear this. I loved our time together and I love what you're doing. I love the idea of starting from within and I'm just so excited for you and this podcast and all that's to come for you. Thanks so much for tuning into the Start From Within podcast. My name is Alison Pesta and remember we all have to start from somewhere So why not start from within? You are always, always enough.